0: Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. Here's your host, Marcus Grant.
1: What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, M.G., Marcus Grant, still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary, and... But we're almost at the end. We have gotten through the final Sunday of the fantasy season, at least for most of you, as some of you maniacs out there still playing Week 17. We'll address that a little bit later. Uh, One more game on the docket. That is tonight between the Bills and the Patriots. Kimmy Checks will stop by. We will talk about that game. We will also, again, for some of you out there still grinding on this. We got a little bit of waiver wire. Don't expect it to be very deep this week. Uh, But we're also going to start to spin forward and look ahead to what potentially is coming in 2021 we will have a way too early mock draft we will pick 10 players that we think will land in the first round next year and kind of give you our thoughts as to why they landed where they did so we got that and more to do on this monday show and as we always are on a monday we are joined by the one and only kimmy checks who uh kimmy your team has been making you sweat it out a lot lately. And a game that everybody thought should be a walk against the Falcons was definitely not that. But in the end, I guess it doesn't really matter, right? A win is a win. They don't ask how, they ask how many. And uh, your team keeps winning there.
2: Well, we are the number one seed. We, we secured that bye. We won, even though if it was a little bit too close to comfort, I thought that we would absolutely smash through Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons, but they put up a fight. I think it was good to test both our defense and our offense and get that win in a, a kind of unfortunate game script situation. Uh, but we did it, so I'm happy. And your Great. team did it too. The, the 49ers had a huge upset over the Cardinals on Saturday.
1: 49ers putting up a fight like i I gotta give them credit kyle shanahan has those guys ready to show up and play cj bethard of all people getting it done and uh you know i i jokingly tweeted (laughs) over the weekend, congrats to all the CJ Beathard managers on winning their fantasy championships. And wouldn't you know it, but I did get several responses from people that said, you know, either uh, they were in really deep leagues when they were scraping the bottom of the barrel or two quarterback leagues, but I did get multiple responses back from people saying they did start CJ Beathard on Saturday. So it just goes to show uh, in this crazy fantasy game that pretty much anything can happen at any time. All right that's a good way to spin for what we usually do. We usually call fantasy headlines right now. We're calling it your championship MVPs for week 16. And let's start, let's go all the way back to Christmas day, when Alvin Kamara just put on a show, six rushing touchdowns for Kamara. It's funny, I, you know, because I, it was Christmas day, I had eaten too much. I didn't really have much to do after the whole presents thing was over. I watched the start of that game uh, I kinda drowsed on the couch for a little bit, and then I woke up and saw the final numbers and was absolutely blown away by what Kamara did, and then realized that he could've had a seventh had Taysom Hill uh, not had a rushing touchdown of his own. So Kimmy, we we know how good Alvin Kamara can be, but we also saw late in the season that when Drew Brees wasn't there, it was a little bit of a different story, and Kamara was just sort of human for the most part. So. With talk that Drew Brees could very well retire after this season, is Alvin Kamara going to be a top five pick next year? If, say, it's Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston or any other quarterback not named Drew Brees, can we count on him to be a top five fantasy pick?
2: I don't know. I don't, I don't want to tease the show too much, but I know later on we look <laughs> ahead to 2021 and we do a mock first-round draft of, of the guys we think are going to go and where they're going to land. I think a lot of people are going to be very surprised on what that looks like for Alvin Kamara because, like you said, it seems like Sean Payton and the Saints are, are, are sure that they want Taysom Hill to be a part of that quarterback situation even if Drew Brees is no longer there. Like you said, when Taysom Hill is the quarterback, Alvin Kamara is just human. That's why he had to go out in the fantasy playoffs and put up six touchdowns to try to make up for all the (laughs) touchdowns he lost while Taysom Hill was the quarterback. But I think we have to look at that quarterback situation and that scenario before we make any assumptions on Alvin Kamara's production. We know he's good, but we also know that if Taysom Hill is going to be the starting quarterback, Taysom Hill is going to run the ball himself.
1: That is going to be maybe one of the most impactful fantasy decisions of the offseason is what the Saints do at quarterback. And yeah, I don't think they have completely put their cards on the table one way or another. Obviously, what happens with Drew Brees does have something to do with it. If Brees decides he wants to come back for one more round, I would assume he's going to walk back into that starting job. But if he's not there, you know, Sean Payton has certainly intimated that the quarterback of the future, or at least the successor, I should say, to Drew Brees is in the building so maybe that's Taysom hill maybe that's somebody else but i do think we're going to keep a very close eye on this quarterback situation and what this potentially means for alvin kamara because you're right if if for whatever reason we see Taysom hill as the starter for 16 weeks that's going to take a big bite out of kamara's fantasy value uh for 2021 and yes that's a little bit of a tease because uh, we will talk about that a little later on in the show uh Fast forward to Saturday, from Friday to Saturday, and again, you know, I it was a Saturday. Uh, I, I listened to a little bit. I went out, you know, we had some family time, got outside in the, in the big park and went walking uh, and listened to a little bit of the game on the radio. I got in the car. It was just starting. It was close. We get back in the car. It's 47 to 7. All of a sudden, <laughs> the bucks are up uh, because Tom Brady and Mike Evans both went berserk Brady didn't even play the second half. That's how good Tom Brady was. And at this moment, as we sit here and talk before the Monday night game is played, Tom Brady is the QB nine overall this season, Kimmy, and especially the last few weeks has been really, really good. Is it possible that we underestimated Tom Brady this year? We we gave too much credit to father time this year and he's holding him off again?
2: I think we have, and I will be the very first person to raise my hand and say I have been petty on Tom Brady, I have shaded Tom Brady, I have said that he's not fantasy relevant, and he's proved us wrong. You know, I think the unfortunate situation with with Tom Brady is that there's so much pressure on him because of how he's performed bringing in six Super Bowl ranks for the Patriots. Now leaving Bill Belichick, and there's this whole conversation of, is it Bill and he's a great coach, or is it Tom Brady being a great quarterback? Now seeing him in a new offense, there was a lot of questions and a lot of skepticism, but you have to look and see what he's done with this offense. If you just look at that game uh, on Saturday, that, that huge thrashing against the Lions, he spread the ball to multiple receivers. He's throwing downfield more so than he has in years. He's playing incredibly good football and he just secured the Bucks a trip to a playoff berth for the first time in years. So I think we underestimated Tom Brady. We shaded Tom Brady and he's still reminding us that he is the GOAT. So I'm sorry Tom. I'm sorry for any pettiness I've ever I've ever projected onto
1: you. You are good i wasn't sure he'd be a top 10 quarterback i had him as the qb12 and and right now he is a few spots ahead of that and i I think i've been mostly impressed by how consistently he's been productive all through the year i mean he uh, it's not like you know it's obviously not the 50 touchdown year that he had earlier in his career but he's gone out and he's playing with easily the best group of wide receivers he's ever had that certainly helps but he is making plays and and especially taking advantage of great matchups like he did on Saturday and really getting hot at the right time, getting hot at the right time for the Buccaneers, certainly, but definitely was getting hot at the right time for fantasy managers as well uh, who decided to start him over the last few weeks. So we'll see how long he can kind of keep this running, but, you know, he's going to be back in Tampa next year. Presumably he's going to have at least Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. We'll see what the future holds for Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski and the like uh but you know i feel like this this was sort of my uh i guess my rebuke uh if you will about tom brady and i will probably put him in my top 10 next year which uh if i do that guarantees that he's going to have a fall off but whatever uh you know this is this is how we live this is how we how we make our decisions uh based on what happened but brady and and mike evans both fantastic and look Even uh, Chris Godwin had a good game. Antonio Brown scored a touchdown. It was pretty much a bonanza if you had any piece of the Buccaneers passing game on Saturday. Uh, The last, not the last, but the last one we're going to talk about, championship MVP, Miles Gaskin, who went out and had himself a pretty good day against the Raiders. That was on Saturday night in Las Vegas, A a wild finish to that game between Miami and Vegas there. But Gaskin with a couple of touchdowns, doing big things. So let's put the over under at the third round for Gaskin. Are you taking him earlier, later, right there in the third round? What How are you feeling about Gaskin right now?
2: I'm like a, I'm a late second round, early third round type of situation. I think happening with Miles Gaskin. The good thing is that we know that Tua is going to be their longtime quarterback, even though he got pulled and Fitzmagic went in and secured that dub. We love him. The amazing no look pass who's now usurped Patrick Mahomes on that one, but we know that Tua is going to be their long-term quarterback. This season was a very good experiment for seeing how he's going to utilize his running back with that offense. This is good for Miles Gasson because he's had continued production week after week after week. He's had double-digit fantasy points in every single game played except for one this season. I think he's going to be a sneaky guy who's going to carry some people's fantasy teams next season.
1: I you know, What I loved about the Dolphins this year is that they were pretty much a one-back team. I mean, they had guys, they had multiple guys who could be productive. We saw that when Gaskin got hurt and Savon Ahmed stepped in and played well for a few games. But generally speaking, they picked a guy and they just gave him the work. And we should all be grateful for that, right? I mean, we complained all year long about these multi-headed attacks, whether it was your Baltimore or Indy or the Rams or what have you. The fact that the Dolphins are like, hey, this is our guy. We're just going to roll with him. That's great. And so if we can really count on that next year, if if it looks like they really do believe in Miles Gaskin, and I think they do, uh, then I, I wouldn't have a problem. I, I would like to wait till the third round. That might not be possible. We'll see where the hype train goes for Miles Gaskin this offseason. But they really just want to give one guy the work. And they're building something really kind of fun with Tua, uh, with some good young wide receivers, whether it's you know, Preston Williams when he's healthy, Devontae Parker, Mike Gasicki, this is a kind of an interesting offense. So I do think that Miles Gaskin has a really interesting fantasy future ahead of him. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that we're talking about easily uh, in the first three rounds in a lot of fantasy leagues. All right. So enough of the good. Let's just, let's just get this, let's get this out of the way. The fantasy (laughs) championship, the LVPs, the least valuable players. Normally we just, we call this I'm salty and maybe this is just an extended uh, extra salty seasoned salt version, if you will, of that. Um, we're going to start with Josh Jacobs. And I talked about Miles Gaskin and, and how great he was. Josh Jacobs, not really so great, Kimmy. And then the worst part was late in that game, the Raiders thinking they were going to set it up uh, to kick a what would have been a game-winning field goal. Josh Jacobs, as you see on your screen there, uh, slides down short of the goal line on a couple of opportunities, had a chance to score, did not take it, Uh, I don't know if somebody reminded him of Todd Gurley earlier in the year or what the deal was. (laughs) Of course, the Raiders kick the field goal. Then Ryan Fitzpatrick brings the Dolphins back the other way. They kick a game-winning field goal. So, Kimmy, I mean, just obviously it sort of stinks that that Jacobs didn't have a great day, but why didn't he score? That would have changed the complexion of everything, both for the Raiders and for fantasy. If he scores, why? Why didn't it happen?
2: Because we cannot have nice things in 2020. Don't you know that I mean look at look at our oh. world look at where we're at this is this is just a result of that no in all seriousness I think this was so incredibly intentional because you have seen Josh Jacobs be incredibly vocal on social media as of late saying fantasy football managers stop tweeting at me I don't care about fantasy I'm sorry if I won you a game I lost you a game I do not care and I think that was a huge kind of middle finger to us and, and a reminder. Do not tweet at NFL players if they do not get you fantasy points for a certain week. They are people. They are paid to play a game, not to win us fantasy football championships. So that was his middle finger to say, hey, look, you can't have nice things. Stop tweeting at me, and I'm going to ruin your day.
1: <laughs> Josh Jacobs has not made a lot of uh, friends in the fantasy community the last few weeks. He had that tweet uh, a few weeks ago, or was it was an Instagram post, whatever it was, uh, that said, I'm not playing, although I – Admittedly sort of took it a different way as in like, I'm not playing around y'all like, you know, start me, whatever. Anyway, Uh, I just know, I just know know that he has sort of needled a lot of people in fantasy. I'm not saying that this is, you know, uh, reason or excuse to go tweet nasty mean things at him. Don't do that. Um, but it it has become a very antagonistic relationship uh, between Josh Jacobs and fantasy managers uh, for the last few weeks. Uh, I'm just curious. I I have no answer to this. I'm I'm wondering whether or not people are going to have hurt feelings and remember this next year come draft time and maybe not draft Josh Jacobs. Um, I don't think he's going to lose any sleep over that, whether it happens or not. I just know that we could be a petty lot, and maybe uh, maybe this is what happens next year. Who knows? Um, you talked about the 49ers and their big win over the Arizona Cardinals. Part of how they did that was really putting a leash on Kyler Murray, and Kyler had a big game against the Niners early in the season, not so much in Week 16 when fantasy managers and the Cardinals, frankly, needed him to go and have a big day. Uh, You know, the 75 rush yards are nice, but no touchdowns, had an interception that was really costly in that game. Uh, I mean, Kimmy, this was maybe the worst possible time for Kyler to go out and have one of his worst games.
2: And it's so tough because we understand that he's been dealing with a shoulder injury and he's had some regression kind of the latter half of the season. Since week 11, he's only put up 20-plus fantasy points just twice, whereas the first, what, six, seven, eight weeks of the season, he was consistently putting up 25, 30 fantasy points. I don't know if it's the injury, I don't know if if the 49ers just completely, you know, looked at their season opener against the Cardinals and figured out, uh, you know, what his run routes were and and tried to lock him down as best they could, but you're right, you don't want 15 fantasy points from your starting quarterback during the fantasy championship, so I think this will be kind of interesting, again, uh, the point you kind of raised about Josh Jacobs, like, Will fantasy football managers look at the latter half of the season from Kyler Murray and start to second guess where he comes off the board uh, during the quarterback rounds of, of 2021 drafts? I think it'll be interesting because we understand he's still mobile and he's still great, but uh, a lot of fantasy managers, we, we, are, we are salty people. We, we remember the hurt <laughs> and the pain, so I wonder if this is going to hurt him uh, down the line.
1: He will be a very intriguing case study in the off season, because right now he is the QB one overall, uh, just about about half a point ahead of Patrick Mahomes. Um, I suspect that Kyler is going to take the number one spot just because I would be surprised if if Mahomes plays a full game next week um, with the Chiefs having locked everything up already, not really having much to play for. I think Mahomes plays, maybe he plays a half. Uh, Kyler has to play the full game because the Cardinals need to win in order to try to get into the playoffs so I I think he's going to be the number one quarterback but I do think it's going to be sort of a tale of two halves and which half do people remember the most which half do people think is closer to the real Kyler and that will impact where he comes off the board in drafts I still think next year you're talking about him as second or third quarterback taken overall. Um, But I do wonder whether or not maybe he he gets bumped down a round or two just because of him sort of fading down the stretch for the Cardinals and for fantasy managers as well. Um, So full disclosure here, uh, when I was putting together this this rundown uh, with the help of our faithful producer, uh, Hytham Kalani, we were trying to figure out who is a third LVP to talk about. And even though Hytham and I were sort of talking about this uh, over Slack, I could imagine sort of a, an evil Grinch-like smile pulling up over our faces, knowing that we were going to have to you know, make Kimmy talk about a Chief as an LVP. because we, we, I'm tapping out for this segment.
2: I'm tapping talk,
1: out. We talked about the Chiefs having a struggle against, uh, against the Falcons on Sunday. Patrick Mahomes ended up with a decent day. Was it? You know, a bananas day like we thought it was going to be, and Tyreek Hill, uh, just barely ten fantasy points. And you want to talk about a guy that you know, we were riding and we're counting on to kind of disappear in a in a big spot? Uh, it was just he looked human, Kimmy. I mean, it, we hadn't seen it all year, but but Tyreek Hill was just a mere mortal on Sunday. It's weird.
2: I know, what is happening? Like, this is a week where I had, I I was like, oh, Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, this is going to be the number one stack of Week 16. These guys are going to put up like 80 fantasy points. The reality was that wasn't the case. This game between the Chiefs and the Falcons was way closer than we had thought. The Chiefs only led uh, a few different times during the game. It was really close with Matt Ryan firing to Calvin Ridley and having some really good uh, opportunities and passes and Calvin Ridley getting into the end zone. Now, this Tyreek Hill issue... I think the reality is is that maybe he was a little bit hurt because he did pop up on the injury list last week dealing with the hamstring issue, even though he did play. I just don't think the offense was firing as powerfully as they normally do. We did see that, you know, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Travis Kelsey connection, but Tyreek was quiet and maybe he was just dealing with the hamstring. You know, they want to try and keep him and the rest of their offensive weapons as healthy as possible as we go into this playoff push uh, and make sure that we go head to the Super Bowl two times in a row. So it's okay to be salty, but I'm not worried about Tyreek Hill and the long haul, even though more than 10 fantasy points would have been really nice.
1: The, the chiefs right now, uh, especially the last what seven or eight weeks, I think they are, they're sort of like the, the person in the long drive contest, like on a golf course, right? Like they know what they need to beat the other team and they pull just enough club out of the bag to, to get the win. I, I, I think they're, you know, I can see maybe in the playoffs, maybe they turn it up a notch uh, and, and they unleash hell on some other defenses. But the last couple months, it's like, you know, they're, they're like an NBA team that knows they're good enough to, to win a title. And it's like, we're not going to go all out and kill ourselves in the regular season. We're getting ready for the playoffs. And I think that's sort of where the Chiefs are right now. They know what it takes to win a Super Bowl. They have all the pieces it takes. Let's, let's just do just enough right now because we know we can win most weeks. Um, and maybe that's what it is. Uh, that's great for the Chiefs. Not so great for us because we want—we really do want them to unleash hell each and every week because we're greedy and we just want uh, as many fantasy points as we possibly could. So I'm sure there's going to be somebody out there who wins despite getting 10 and a half points from Tyreek Hill. There might be some other folks who end up coming up short because they needed more from Tyreek Hill. Uh, sorry. I don't really have any other analysis for you. I don't have any other analysis for you beyond that. Uh, I mean, at this point it is what it is. You put your best lineup out there and, Sometimes it's good enough, and uh and sometimes it is not. All right, today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, a leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. So download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during sign-up. Start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. is a monday night football game because i mean why wouldn't there be it's week 16 as we are wrapping up for a lot of people fantasy championship week so i know that for some people out there uh, this game does determine who wins their league title and there are some interesting pieces going in this one the bills and the patriots buffalo wrapped up its first division title since 1995 last week but for me this This seems like an opportunity to really go out and make a statement. Not only have you won the division, but you can go into the Patriots house, the team that has just dominated the, the AFC East for so many years uh, and really make a statement to to kind of just put a final nail in their coffin. The Patriots, you know not, not going to the playoffs for the first time uh, in a while uh, since 2008, I believe. Uh, But for the bills, I think this is a, this is a chance to kind of flex and really make a statement, but, uh, we're here to talk some fantasy football about it. So, uh, Kimmy, Stefan Diggs has been great all year long. Uh, you know, he is uh, one of the top wide receivers. In fact, he is the wide receiver four as we sit here and talk right now. Uh, your projection point-wise for him tonight against the Patriots?
2: Tonight, I got him just around 21 fantasy points. I feel like he's going to do that with ease. Now, it was interesting. I, I wanted to look up his points for the season and look at his touchdowns. He's only scored five touchdowns this season, but he's had double-digit fantasy points in every single game played. Back in week 15, so last week, Him and Josh Allen were the number one stack in fantasy football. I think they put up over 63 fantasy points combined, and they did it without even connecting for a touchdown. It's the receiving yards and the yards after the catch that Stephon Diggs is so good at, and that's – I don't know. I just found that really interesting. I thought that was like a fun little fantasy nugget because I think a lot of times we just associate with people being really good fantasy players if they get into the end zone, but with Stephon Diggs, that doesn't even need to be the case
1: yeah that's that's what's been amazing about him the number of targets the number of catches the yards he's putting up I think for a lot of people who watched him in Minnesota all those years they just wanted him to get more targets and more opportunities he comes to Buffalo and that happens I I have him going kind of big tonight I've got him with 26 points I like I said I think I think this is a flex moment I do I think this is a flex moment for the bills and I think Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen really going to go and show out tonight Against New England, especially in Foxborough, I just think there's no, there's no better way to kind of punctuate what has been a great season for this team. Uh, I mean, I think I've had him, I think I, I sort of projected him about 10 catches somewhere around uh, close to 100 yards and a touchdown, which, you know, he would get get his sixth touchdown of the year. It just seems like a perfect way to go out, especially for anybody who might need a big game from Stefan Diggs maybe squeak by in their their fantasy championship game, uh, feel confident. I think you you might be feeling okay about it uh, this week. Um, The Bills running backs have been a different story. They've got a couple of guys who I think are talented in Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, but as long as Josh Allen is upright and breathing, uh, they're not going to get a whole lot of opportunity to put up big fantasy days. I I, I don't think a lot of people are starting them in season-long leagues. Maybe you are, in, in which case, Godspeed. Uh, but if we're talking DFS and you're putting together a DFS slate for tonight, would you consider either any body in that backfield for one of those lineups?
2: You know, I did, I put up a, a DraftKings lineup today because I was just curious. I wanted to see, you know, how how much people were going for it and what this game kind of would look like. And I actually did put Zach Moss into my lineup. The Patriots defense, they've improved the last few weeks, but they're still struggling against the run. We understand that Zach Moss has such a better upside because of those goal line looks and his touches. I think, you know, he has a lot more relevance than Devin Singletary. He's proved that as of late. So in my DFS lineup, I was rocking with Zach Moss and I feel like a lot of people, People could look for that option as kind of a guy who's a little bit cheaper, uh, but could have some decent production tonight.
1: I mean, I guess if I would pick one, that would be the one. But at this point, I think I'm just I'm just staying away from all of them uh, because they have been just so inconsistent. And chances are when they get close, it's going to be Josh Allen getting the ball down there. that being said, I don't know that the Patriots offer a lot of better options. We've seen Sony Michelle the last couple of weeks get more touches, especially with Damian Harris uh, not healthy. Maybe you you give James White some run simply because you know he's going to get those targets. It's not a great running back game on either side, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I, I I'm sort of with you. I could probably talk myself into a Zach Moss because he seems to be the guy maybe with the most touchdown upside. It's weird because. Um, you've got two quarterbacks in this game who are essentially their team's de facto goal line backs. I mean, Cam Newton has made a whole career off of scoring rushing touchdowns from Carolina to now uh, and Josh Allen doing the same in his relatively short career up there in Buffalo. So uh, that really takes the shine off of any of the running backs in this game, knowing that when they get down close, chances are you're going to have your big strong quarterback, just reach the ball over the goal line and score the touchdown for you. So that, that, is a frustration point, I think, for me, uh, for anybody in this game. Um, speaking of the Patriots, are there any Patriots you would consider starting in this one?
2: No, sorry, Bob. No, isn't that weird that it's week 16, it's the New England Patriots, and here we are saying, no, I wouldn't start any of them. Obviously, it's a new and a different offense with Tom Brady being gone and Cam Newton taking over. I think maybe early on in the season, if I had to pick a player, I would have picked Cam, uh, but we've seen him kind of struggling as of late. That was hard to get out. Uh, So, no. (laughs) no, it's a no for me,
1: dog. I'm with you. Uh, The the passing game for New England has just been miserable. Um, Cam with single-digit passing touchdowns. I think he's got like twice as many rushing touchdowns or something close to it this year. Uh, It it has not been great. Talked about the fact that I don't love the running backs necessarily. The wide receivers haven't done much to to grab your attention. So it is a hard argument to make to start any Patriots uh, in this game here. And again, if you were forced to start them in your championship week, Um, First off, I'm amazed you you made it this far. Uh, Good on you. Congratulations. Uh, And best of luck tonight because it just doesn't seem to be great, especially because, honestly, the Bills defense has really turned it up a notch uh, in the last few weeks as well. So that, that just makes the matchup what was already not a great matchup makes it even tougher. So uh, best of luck if you are starting any Patriots in this one. All right, friends, don't let friends play Week 17. But for those of you out there who seem to be, uh, you know, playing 4-D chess, uh, here's a look at some waiver wire targets potentially for Week 17. If you're looking at quarterbacks, Philip Rivers, Daniel Jones. Jones has a matchup uh, to finish out the season with the Dallas Cowboys, although the Cowboys have proven to maybe be a little bit tougher uh, the last few weeks than we had anticipated. Running back Tony Pollard. Now, I know he didn't do much yesterday, but the the matchup seems to be okay, and you think the touches potentially will be there. Who knows? But if you need depth... Uh, you're playing week 17, get all the help you can. So Tony Pollard, Jeff Wilson, who looked great against the Cardinals on Saturday wide receiver, Nelson Aguilar, who's had a very good year and had a big, big touchdown catch for the Raiders late in that game. And the Kiki QT. Uh, I know the, the Texans passing game is kind of a mess right now, but uh Kuti is going to get some targets. There are probably some other guys out there. If you are really willing to dig deep, uh, if you really want to sort of try to play the odds too and maybe get some backup quarterbacks or backup whatever's in there, good for you. Uh, all right. That takes us to Performance Ready, presented by Castrol Edge. We always do checks, marks, the spot around this time on Mondays in the show. And since we're talking waiver wire, felt like it'd be good to talk about some of the big waiver wire pickups of 2020. Because there's always a handful of guys. Usually we identify them early in the season. They weren't drafted but they make a splash immediately and end up being productive all season long. So uh, I got three right here. We can talk them around and then you guys can all vote on which one you think is the waiver pickup of the year. Let's start with James Robinson. I mean, cause why not? Um, did not play on Sunday, but that still doesn't diminish what he has done all year long. To uh, me, this is a guy that nobody really knew his name unless you really went deep Uh, into rosters, if you were a Jaguars fan, maybe, Uh, but ended up being a household fantasy name by the time this season was over. I mean, he was really great this year.
2: From undrafted free agent to the fantasy running back number four on the season as of right now. Ten total touchdowns, double-digit fantasy points in every single game played. Now, I know that he didn't suit up yesterday, and we all had a hard time figuring out who the other running back for Jacksonville was because James Robinson has been the guy doing it all season long. He was involved not only in the run game, but over the air in the passing game as well. I think now it's going to be very interesting to see what this offense could look like and what they're going to be able to to do with James Robinson if they go out and secure Trevor Lawrence. Now that Jacksonville has officially secured themselves the number one draft pick in 2021.
1: This offense is going to get a really big boost potentially uh, You know, if Trevor Lawrence turns out to be the guy that everybody really believes he can be. Uh, but Robinson was great. I'm also curious what happens with the other running backs on this team because uh, Robinson ended up having no competition in part because you know, Raquel Armstead was on the COVID list all year long and we certainly hope uh, that he's able to, to recover and you know, at least get healthy whether or not he plays football we'll discuss that later but you know the vinyl Zigbo was, was injured for most of the year there really was no competition and whether or not the Jaguars will do that again in 2021 remains to be seen but, but this year uh, absolutely a magical season for James Robinson nonetheless. Uh, next one on the list justin herbert and when we talked about quarterbacks at the start of the year rookie quarterbacks he seemed to be running in third place i mean there was joe burrow uh, there was Tua violoa and then there was justin herbert and then when you figure you know burrow unfortunately gets hurt midway through the season Tua does doesn't start until late in the year herbert gets the starting job through weird and unfortunate circumstances with tyrod taylor uh having a serious medical issue But he took the the job and just ran with it, Kimmy, and I I don't know that anybody anticipated Justin Herbert being the rookie quarterback we talked about for the course of of pretty much 16 weeks, But, but he was another guy who was just amazing this year
2: he's amazing and now he's in the conversation for offensive rookie of the year which is impressive now i want to talk about justin herbert without looking at the chargers uh their record because i don't think that currently reflects how good he's been all season 27 passing touchdowns oh no 28 passing touchdowns this season most by rookie quarterback in nfl history had four rushing touchdowns that he got in for himself Seven games played with three hundred pat three hundred plus passing yards. He only had one game this season with less than two hundred. I think that Joe Burrow could be and will be potentially a top five fantasy quarterback in twenty twenty one.
1: Look, Herbert. We, I talked about this with uh, with Michael F Florio a couple weeks ago about where we'd be willing to take Justin Herbert next year, and we both sort of settled on him being the QB eight off the board. Um, and that seems about right that feels about right and what was great was not only was herbert successful but he breathed life into keenan allen and made keenan allen you know a a legit top 10 wide receiver after we doubted whether or not he could be that this year um you know when they got austin eckler back the connection between herbert and eckler was just as good as it had been with philip rivers in the past so uh, this is the guy who stepped up and played really good football this year and on top of it gave you some kind of sneaky rushing numbers. Again, you're not going to confuse him with Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson or, any, or even Russell Wilson, but he did just enough with his legs to kind of give you a fairly safe floor, has four rushing touchdowns this year, really kind of gave you a little bit of everything. And again, this is a guy that no one was anticipating seeing on the field or at least not seeing much of this year, but jumped in, uh, was, was thrown into the deep end by the Chargers because he had to be Uh, and I thought swam incredibly well this year in that offense. Um, The third option we had here, Antonio Gibson, who was really a late-summer hype bunny, Uh, and then (laughs) the, the, the seas parted and the pathway was cleared for Antonio Gibson to be the RB1 in Washington and really took advantage of it it took maybe you know a couple weeks for him to kind of get his feet underneath him but once he did was really great has battled some injuries sort of late in the season but has been a do-it-all guy there you see the uh, 11 touchdowns that he's got this year um jimmy i mean we we thought much of him but he delivered i mean it's one of those situations and we don't see it a lot though where uh, a guy sort of lives up to the hype and i thought that uh, i thought that antonio Gibson did that very well this year
2: He did. And he was able to sustain even with all of those changes at quarterback throughout the season, which is one of the most impressive parts. I think some guys, you can see them fade and fizzle because they don't still have that relationship and that connection. But when the Washington football team needs him to deliver, he steps up and does just that. Right now, he is the running back number 13 in fantasy football. A really good stat and a finish for a guy who, like you said, kind of popped off the second half of the season. So, yes, he is a league MVP uh, for a, a lot of people who was a kind of a surprising one.
1: Absolutely. It, it it sort of stunk to see him get hurt uh, when he did late in the season. I mean, yeah, you know, he had been playing really, really well, and I'm sure uh, Washington would have loved to have him because you know, look, they're, they're still battling for a division title and a playoff spot. But uh, we really thought he was going to be good. And what was amazing to me is that he really took the role of running back when he was in college, he was kind of a hybrid, but I think he spent more time sort of lined up wide as a pass catcher. But this year he really took to the role of running back and excelled with it. So it would be great to see him continue to to flourish in that role next year uh, and see what he could do. But There are going to be a ton of running backs we see come off the board within the first three rounds. Antonio Gibson, I think, is easily one of those. Uh, We're probably talking about him as a late second round pick in a lot of fantasy leagues this year. So uh, those are our three options there between James Robinson, Justin Herbert, and Antonio Gibson for our waiver wire pick of the year. You can go and vote on who you think deserves that title you can go to kimmy's page on twitter at KimmyChecks and vote for you who you think is the waiver wire pickup of 2020. okay we are looking ahead to 2021 and we are putting together our first mock draft of the off season it's not even the off season yet there's still more football to be played but we're gonna do our first mock draft of the year one through ten just one round between me and kimmy I will allow you to have the first pick. So where are you going with the 1.01 in 2021?
2: Well, I'm giving you a curtsy for allowing me to have the first pick. <laughs> All right, are you ready for this drum roll? Because I'm bringing the hot fire with this very first pick. I'm going with... Dalvin Cook as my RB1, 1.1 of my 2021, way too early mock draft. Dalvin Cook has been good. He is the fantasy running back number two, only behind Alvin Kamara. He scored at least a touchdown in every game played, but three this season, 17 total TDs in 2020. I like this guy. We know that they already have their other offensive weapons. We know that Kirk Cousins already has this relationship with Dalvin Cook. We don't need to worry about new receivers coming in and taking away the production I like Dalvin cook.
1: It's I think that's not a terrible pick and last year in the offseason I suggested Dalvin cook be included in the conversation mostly because I wanted a talking point, uh, but the way the season has gone, it is borne out that he is at least worthy of being in the discussion. So at the number two spot since he fell from his perch atop the rankings. I'm going to take Christian McCaffrey. And obviously this year has been a lost season as he has dealt with injuries. But when he was healthy and on the field, he was still incredibly productive for the Panthers. And what I still believe in with him is that he is going to get the majority of the snaps when he's healthy. He's going to be on the field pretty much all the time. He is going to get a ton of touches and continue to be productive with them. And I think we saw uh, how great his season was a couple of years ago based on The way Mike Davis sort of faded uh, over the stretch. So I still think that despite the injuries, despite not being on the field much this year, Christian McCaffrey is still going to be a guy that goes very high in a lot of drafts. I think he'll still be the number one overall pick in a lot of drafts, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, if you see him fall down a spot or two. All right. On to the number three pick. Kimmy, where are you going with that one?
2: All right, number three pick, it was a guy that we were just talking about, and no one roasts me on Twitter. I love how we do these mock drafts, and everyone's like, "That's so dumb, That's the dumbest pick. It is a way too early mock draft. Let me preface it with that. But you have to look at the guy we were just talking about, James Robinson. I'm going to get him at number three. Currently, RB number four, even though he did not play in week 16. Like I said, this is going to be a new and revitalized offense, uh, especially if they go out and get Trevor Lawrence. Jacksonville has to reward this guy for playing as well as he did this season. We know his involvement in not only the run game, but the passing game as well. Dual threat ability. Him and Trevor Lawrence are going to be incredible. I love an undrafted rookie. So James Robinson, do not disappoint me next season.
1: I love the spice with that James Robinson at number three overall pick. And that allows me to take another guy who falls a little bit in the draft. Another guy who was hurt for most of the year. And that was Saquon Barkley. And I sort of feel about Saquon the way I feel about Christian McCaffrey, that when he's healthy and he's available, he's going to be on the field for, you know, 90 to 95% of the snaps. He's going to be the guy that dominates the touches in the backfield. Wayne Gallman stepped in and I thought did a very admirable job this year, but he still knows Saquon and and all the things the Giants can do with Saquon in that offense, make him worth still being a, a top five pick, I'm curious to see how people are going to view him in general, whether or not he uh, maybe stays in the top three or if he falls a little bit based on this past year. Uh, But if I ended up with Saquon in the top four, I'm still going to feel pretty confident about what I can get from him production wise. So he's uh, he's the number four pick for me overall. Uh, Number five. Who are you looking at?
2: Number five, not as spicy. It's a guy who's been consistent the last few years. Mr. December, my friend. Actually, I, I don't know him at all, but I wish we were friends. <laughs> Derek Henry, El Tractor Cito. We understand how good he is. Fantasy running back, number three on the season. 15 touchdowns this year. We understand. I mean, there's not really much to say about Derek Henry. We, I think, if anything, people were scared he was going to have some regression this season, but that was not the case. I see him being a huge factor, again, in fantasy football in 2021.
1: Derrick Henry's going to be a beast. Um, and if the Titans ever start throwing him the football the way they keep threatening to, game uh, over. I think he moves up this list. It's <laughs> game over. No, I mean, seriously, if 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 we start to believe next offseason that he's going to be more involved in the passing game and catch more passes, uh, I think we really are talking about Derrick Henry as the number one overall pick, considering how effective he is running the football. Uh, so that takes us to number six. It's going to be our first non-running back. I want to go with Devontae Adams here because mm. the dude has just been phenomenal. I mean, we, we saw it in week 16, the game in the snow against the Tennessee Titans. Adams went out and balled out uh, 142 yards and three touchdowns in that one. And he is right now the wide receiver one. We'll see if Stefan Diggs, Stephon Diggs is not going to catch him. I mean, he's still 70 some odd points behind. We'll see what happens with Tyreek Hill uh, as the season goes on. But Devontae Adams is your wide receiver one, having missed two and a half games because of an injury, how far ahead would he be had he played every game this year? The mind boggles at the thought, um, but he's just such a beast. It has been for the past few years, and we know that when Aaron Rodgers gets in trouble, he's looking at number 17. Um, after kind of you know everybody sort of swinging and missing on Michael Thomas last year, I think Devontae Adams. Graduates to being the first wide receiver off the board. May even go higher than six, but I'm putting him uh, at six right now. So that gets us to seven. Who uh, should be the seventh pick in leagues next year? Lucky
2: number seven. I have to bring some spice back. I'm a spicy. I'm a spicy little girl. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Jonathan Taylor. I understand we were very frustrated for, with him at times this season. But now he has solidified that he is the lead back for that offense. And he's been on a touchdown binge ever since week 14. I think he's had at least a touchdown in every single game played since week 14. He found his footing. He understands who he is. He understands how this offense runs. Currently running back number seven, double-digit fantasy points in nine games played this season. I think that his second season is going to be an incredible one. And he is my running back number uh, what is this? Where, this is my pick number seven. But uh, let's see. He's the <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, fifth, six running back off the board. So uh, impressive
1: for the rookie. I know. I know a lot of folks love Jonathan Taylor and. As the season went on, I started to put more stock into the idea that not having a training camp is sort of what slowed some of these rookies down. We saw it with Taylor. uh, We saw it with Cam Akers. We saw it with J.K. Dobbins. But By the time we got to the back half of the season, I think all three of those guys really had taken more of a lead role in their respective backfields. And Jonathan Taylor, Uh, DeAndre Swift, too. I should throw him in that mix, too. Uh, Jonathan Taylor looks like he could be the leader among second year running backs in terms of where he gets drafted next year. Uh, He and James Robinson going to battle it out for that honor. Uh, Number eight pick for me. I'm going with Tyreek Hill. Um, and, And we keep waiting for regression to hit this guy touchdown wise. And so far, it hasn't seemed to happen. The Chiefs offense looks like it's set to be a juggernaut for a number of years in a row. And Tyreek Hill is going to be the lead wide receiver in that offense. Uh, Again, regardless of what happened with him in week 16, the dude has just been amazing. 17 total touchdowns this year, most among all wide receivers, an absolute beast week in and week out. And would not be surprised to see him around the late part of the first round in a lot of fantasy drives. He's just been, he's been really, really great for a number of years now. It's just hard to deny. So Tyree kill goes at eight. Who do you take at number nine? The spice
2: continues. Let's talk about his teammate. Travis Kelsey, tight end number one in fantasy football. Travis Kelsey is used not only as a tight end, but just as a wide receiver as well. He's so big. He understands how to block. You have to look at what he does after he catches the ball, yards after the catch, 11 touchdowns. this seed is in leading all tight ends. Like you said, the same argument that you make for Tyreek Hill is the same one that could be made for Travis Kelsey. This trio of Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Patrick Mahomes is the best trio in the NFL right now. I know it's crazy to take a tight end this high, but as we've seen in fantasy football, unless you have a guy like Travis Kelsey or George Kittle when he's healthy or Darren Waller, You have to just scratch the surface and you have to crawl and itch and bleed your way to find a tight end that can deliver on a week to week basis. So I know this is wild, but Travis Kelsey can be counted on in the first round.
1: Here's the thing. I don't think it's that wild. I think what we saw this year, I think we're going to see a lot more people taking shots at Travis Kelsey in the first round. And I know this has been an Adam Rank staple for the last couple of years, but I do think more people are going to get on board because Kelsey gives you that consistency. Um, You know, Kittle, I think you'll see in the second round, you know, if he's healthy again next year, Darren Waller will come off the board in the third round because I think people just want tight ends potentially where you can sort of set it and forget it. And right now, those seem to be the only three that really fit that category. All right, so we'll round out the first round. Talked about him at the top of the show. Uh, I couldn't let him get out of the first round. It's Alvin Kamara. Um, And I think part of the reason he fell for me is not knowing what the quarterback situation is going to be in New Orleans. Uh, Sort of assuming that Drew Brees may be playing his last games in the NFL, and the fear that if Breeze is gone, that they turn this offense over to Taysom Hill. Sean Payton obviously liked what he saw out of Taysom Hill. They were 3-1 and with him as a starter this season. He moved the ball effectively, but he just didn't do much for the rest of the pieces in that offense. I mean, obviously Camara was the guy that maybe took the biggest hit, but if you were trying to start, you know, Michael Thomas, when he was healthy, if you were trying to start Emmanuel Sanders, you just weren't getting much there because Taysom Hill still has to develop as a passer and is more likely to take off and run and sort of create production with his legs, uh, which just doesn't help the guys catching the football. So I still think Camara has incredible value. I think he's still supremely talented, but just sort of looking ahead and thinking that if drew Brees isn't the quarterback then Alvin Kamara might take a big hit in his fantasy production, not enough for me to you know, let him get out of the first round, but enough that I would feel comfortable taking a handful of other players ahead of him this year. And this is coming from a guy who I said last year, uh, I'm, I'm smashing, uh, Kamara at the third, but at the third spot as many in as many drafts as he can, as I can. Um, but, you know, next year, next year's kind of a different story. So
2: Did you, um, did you see Marcus uh, on Twitter this morning? It came out that Drew Brees' oldest son, Balin, he won his fantasy football championship because of those six touchdowns that came from Alvin Kamara. So I was like, <laughs> oh, that's so cute. And then I'm like, if I'm Drew Brees' kid, do I draft Drew Brees? Do I draft only Saints players? What happens? Uh, but regardless, Alvin Kamara coming through for little Brees. We love that.
1: Absolutely. Although I feel like that's some insider trading there, right? That like you know, his dad can sort of like, you know, manipulate these things and make things happen. But hey, yeah, congratulations. That uh, That is pretty awesome. By the way, it is championship week. We know there's only one game left, but it's not too late to go out and get yourself a fantasy trophy. You can see it over Kimmy's shoulder. You can kind of see the base of mine there uh, behind me as well, but it's a gorgeous trophy. Uh, It has some heft to it as well. You can go online, get it at NFL.com slash fantasy trophy. It is the official fantasy football trophy of the National Football League. And more than anything else, you can just take it, uh, you know, carry it around your house take pictures with it when we go back outside you can just take it to wherever you want and uh, take pictures and send it to the rest of your league mates to gloat about the fact that you are a fantasy champion time to wrap up the show with a little bit of what we learned it's normally a thing i do uh every week if you follow me on instagram uh, i do a quick little videos about things i learned during the week but i didn't really learn much this week because it was championship week congrats to you if you won a title uh, best of luck to you if you are still playing for one tonight Uh, If you came up short, condolences and go get them next year. But for us, looking at what happened over the course of the 2020 season and some of our big takeaways uh, and how we spin it forward to next year. So for you, Kimmy, what was the big thing that you got out of 2020 in fantasy?
2: I think this is like me talking to myself when I see this. I need to replay this (laughs) before the 2021 uh, draft starts. Do not go out and rush to draft a quarterback. You have to look at what some streaming options and waiver wire quarterbacks did for us this season. Guys like Justin Herbert, Taysom Hill. Now Jalen Hurts, Ryan Tannehill, Uh, all of those guys were guys that you didn't need to go out and pick in the first few rounds. And they actually helped carry a lot of people into the fantasy championships. Look at the injuries that were sustained to Dak Prescott and Joe Burrow. Look at the regression from Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson and even Lamar Jackson at the first part of the season. We give quarterbacks so much hype and we don't need to rush to go draft them. So I'm telling myself that and reminding myself that every single year out from here on forward,
1: I will sort of piggyback on your quarterback thought and tell you that if you're drafting a quarterback or when you're drafting a quarterback, a quarterback who can run is mandatory it, it used to be a cheat code that was you know the legend rich rebar who's done so much great fantasy work kind of coined to that term with that quarterbacks who can run are a cheat code I, I think it's evolved beyond that i think it's mandatory now it is hard to survive without a quarterback who doesn't give you that rushing floor you look at the top five fantasy quarterbacks as we sit here right now four of them have a minimum of 300 rushing yards. Patrick Mahomes is sort of the low man in that group with 308, Uh, Aaron Rodgers at 145, but he also has thrown 44 touchdowns. So if you don't get a quarterback who can run, he has to be exceptional in other areas. And it's so like, you, you talk about guys like Kyler, like Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, All these guys are going to go earlier in drafts because they give you that safe floor week to week. Even Ryan Tannehill, who got out of the pocket and had a long rushing touchdown uh, on Sunday night football, is a guy you can keep an eye on. So uh, this has become not just a luxury. I think it's become almost a necessity in terms of having a quarterback that is going to help keep you afloat on a week to week basis. That means guys like Tom Brady, for instance are going to go a little bit later in drafts. You know, the, the Matthew Staffords of the world, uh, those sort of guys are going to start to fall in drafts simply because they don't give you that safe rushing floor. Um, Kimmy, this is our last uh, Monday streaming show. Yay! We will still have the audio podcast coming. It has been great having you here. I appreciate it. Uh, we talk about some of the, the great rookies we've had this year. You have been, uh, I think, an incredible rookie on our show this year. So I appreciate you being a part of the show this year.
2: Thank you, Marcus. Thank you to you, to Christy behind the scenes. Hytham, thank you so much for all the people who helped steer the ship. This is a crazy season. I'm so tired of saying 2020 (laughs) is unprecedented, but it was unprecedented. So incredibly impressive that we had a full season of fantasy football. Now we are crowning fantasy champions, and uh, we're being crazy and doing way too early mark drafts. So all all the debauchery, (laughs) we are back. We are having fun. And thank you so much for letting me be a small part of the fantasy football magic here for the NFL
1: absolutely we'll still be doing audio podcast which means i'm sure i will tap you on the shoulder at some point and bug you to, to come on the audio pod uh and chat some fantasy with us because uh, we'll be doing this pretty much all off season long we also still have a streaming show on wednesday one more for you uh on wednesday before we wrap up the nfl fantasy football show for the year in the meantime we are wrapping up this edition that is it we are done we appreciate you hanging out with the nfl fantasy football show presented by DraftKings. you know the drill tell two friends to tell two friends rate review and remember you can do any amount of work Provided it isn't the work you're supposed to be doing at that moment. Be safe. Take (laughs) care of yourselves. Wear a mask. And we will see you on Wednesday.